Hi, this is Amber and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that don't know, I'm a Reiki master teacher and a shamanic practitioner and I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. The work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union sessions and one-to-one coaching and healing. The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. So before we get into the heart of the podcast, just to say thank you to everyone who listens in and for all your lovely messages of support. Um, as ever, they are all very gratefully received. Thank you also to everyone who keeps uh, checking in, asking how I am in this strange time that we're in, and also to those of you that have donated to the podcast channel, donated um, to the website Uh, All of the donations go straight into creating more free content for uh, as long as possible, really. It was always my goal with the podcast channel and the YouTube channel to reach as many people as possible uh, around the world um, and for money to not be an issue for those who may not be able to afford a session with me. Um, I think your donations are especially poignant at this time as I am an individual and self-employed in a small business and the time that we find ourselves in it's a very precarious one for freelancers and small businesses and individuals who are looking to do something different in the world and so I feel that you know whatever small business or individual or entrepreneur that you can support at this time it's support needed and it's support well um, orchestrated uh, otherwise we're looking at a kind of mass-produced conglomerate of nothing, you know, and we don't have the voice of the entrepreneur, which I think is really important, especially in these times. So thank you so much for all your donations. I know for many of you that it may not be comfortable to donate or, um, you know, you're really digging deep into your pockets and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. But on the topic of comfort, today's podcast is looking at this uh, anathema that we have, this kind of virus that we have of not wanting to be comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Uh, I read something on good old social media the other day. It does it does have its purposes, <laughs> as much as I love to slag it off. Before a man can become a warrior, a man has to leave everything behind and go into the jungle, guided only by his dreams. In that journey, he has to discover completely alone who he really is, Some get lost and never come back. Those who do will be ready to face all that will come. And it's actually from a a page called The the Urban Barefoot. Um, I'm just going to read that again. Before a man can become a warrior, a man has to leave everything behind and go into the jungle, guided only by his dreams. In that journey, he has to discover completely alone who he really is. Some get lost and never come back. Those who do will be ready to face all that will come. I found that really beautiful. Um, The post that this individual posted afterwards was all about how we don't want to be uncomfortable. But I found that uh, that quote really beautiful. And it resonated very deeply with me. You know, we have this virus. It is a virus. It's a sickness in our society. We don't want to get uncomfortable. We don't want to push ourselves to our limits we don't want to forgo our routines or our comforts or what feels safe or familiar we do it in sanitized ways you know we don't want to 
sit in meditation and suffer the kind of um, the restlessness that can sometimes arise in meditation. You know, it can be it can be difficult. It can be challenging on the body. It's challenging on the mind. Sometimes the meditation is great. Often it's not great. But we show up every day. That's the whole point. But we don't want to get uncomfortable, so we download an app. And we listen to the app and we say, oh, I've meditated. You know, we don't want to get uncomfortable in our physical practice, whether it's yoga or exercise. So we want to do things that are 15 minutes long, you know, 10 minute, 10 minute bursts. And our, our cardio or our endurance is done in 20 minutes. Boom, done. Next. We don't want to get uncomfortable and sit with our emotions. So we choose, we make choices in life that keep us very safe, that keep us very cocooned, that keep us around the familiar. And then we complain that our lives aren't moving forward or which, what is more prevalent, we complain that we don't feel fulfilled, that we're not happy in our lives, we're dissatisfied in some way. But the reason we're dissatisfied and, and, and bored with our lives is because we're not pushing ourselves, we're not facing what's uncomfortable we're not going into that physical or metaphorical jungle to be alone to really sit with what moves through us to sit with our pasts to sit with our mistakes if you like to sit with the things that we regret we're not doing that work we want to bypass it really quickly where's the meditation where i get to bypass it who's the healer that can help me clear it you know what's the the retreat i need to go on what's the yoga pose that i do and it'll all be gone and of course, because we don't want to do that, because we're so quick to bypass discomfort, we're being sold more and more ways in order to bypass our discomfort. And we consume those things and we feel more and more dead inside. And the longer we continue that consumption and the more dead we get inside, the more disconnected we get from our power and from our ability to actually do anything of any value and worth in the world. At the moment in this period of self-isolation and lockdown and possibly what may end up um, existing a, a kind of continued easing and then a, and, a, and a heavy restriction again, you know, what's been really interesting to note in a period of lockdown which has been around about two months, just over two months, is how difficult it's been for people to allow themselves to feel uncomfortable. Now, it's not to negate that it's an uncomfortable situation anyway, and I think for people with mental health issues, addictions, homes where they're locked in with abusers, trauma that is resurfacing, this is a horrible, horrible, horrible time, including those that are homeless and displaced. This is a fucking horrible time. So I'm not disputing that, but I'm saying for the others of us who are luckier, people who have roofs over their heads, people who aren't locked in with abusers and so forth, that they've really struggled as a collective to be with the discomfort of, I can't go to the theatre, I can't, you know, go to my favourite shop and get my favourite coffee, I can't, whatever. They've struggled with the discomfort and so in order to bypass the discomfort, people have flung themselves, they've rushed to online courses, to loads of apps to consuming to box sets to anything anything that will numb the discomfort anything what do I have to do what do I have to watch what do I have to listen to you know what app do I have to download so that I don't have to feel 
this restlessness and this discomfort. And actually, underneath that, you know, the more worrying thing is, so I don't have to sit with myself. So I don't have to actually be with myself. And so we find a million and one things that we can do that make us feel more comfortable because actually to be with ourselves is so uncomfortable. To be with our pasts, to be with our unresolved issues is so uncomfortable for us. And yet, the vast majority of people are yearning to be in a relationship with that beloved, that soulmate, that twin flame, you know, whatever you want to call it, who is going to adore them unconditionally. You know, people often say, I'm looking for unconditional love. And yet, we don't have the capacity to sit with ourselves and love ourselves unconditionally. So how are we ever going to find it in another? On a larger scale, I think our inability to be uncomfortable, our inability to go into that physical or meta metaphorical jungle and be alone and face our demons means that we never go through that initiation process fully. We bypass it. You know, it's like the guy who's on his way to the vision quest and he goes, oh, screw it. Do you know what? I'm just going to go to the local B&B and just chill out and do my little vision quest in a hotel room. Who said I couldn't do my vision quest in a hotel room? It's the same thing, right? And never really makes it to the desert, never really makes it to the mountaintop, bypassed it for a bit of safety. The wider implications of that mean that we never come to know all aspects of ourselves. Firstly, if we don't know ourselves, we will be very easily manipulated and programmed and abused and our power given away, taken away. We will settle always. We will never reach our fullest potential. We'll never think for ourselves. We'll become herds. You know, we'll just do whatever the collective's doing because it's easier than actually thinking for ourselves. And those have very, very dangerous consequences. We can see the beginnings of that now in what's happening in the world. We also, because we never touch the edges of who we are, you know, all of the edges, so we really come to own who we are, we never really get to stand and own our power, which again makes us malleable, limp, weak individuals. Again, very easily manipulated by agencies and uh, Elites who want to tell us what to do, control us, herd us around. We are not prepared for the fight that we may have on our hands in order to save our planet or save our souls or um, fight for the oppressed, which is why we have the world that we have now, which is why we have such disparity between those who have and those who don't have, which is why we have the levels of brutality and the levels of homelessness and the levels of pain that so many are experiencing because we don't have enough warriors. We don't have enough people who have gone into that metaphorical or physical or both jungle, faced themselves, come out the other side, completely comfortable with being uncomfortable and so are ready to stick their hand up and say this is wrong, to own their truth, to speak up, to fight for the people who can't fight for themselves, to make a difference in the world, to be the leaders and the change makers of our tomorrow. We don't have enough of them. We will happily give our power away to teenage girls who tell us how to live our lives. You know, that's that's what we've become, that we'll give our power away 
to someone else. Someone else can take on this fight. Someone else can tell us what to do. Oh, look, a celebrity's gone vegan. I'll go vegan. Oh, look, so-and-so's doing that. I'll do it too. Or maybe I should jump onto that yoga course or jump onto that retreat without actually ever thinking for ourselves or creating for ourselves. And so innovation in many ways is lacking. I think innovation in many ways is taking off. You know, we've got the technology, AI technology, we've got people going, uh, satellite missions going up to Mars, and I mean, it's all happening. But innovation at the ground level, individual innovation, what can I do in my community? What can I do today to make a difference? How can I be a change maker? How can I create something new? How can I make a positive impact on this planet for generations to come? That is lacking because there is a tendency to jump onto bandwagons because it's more comfortable. People do all kinds of things not to be uncomfortable. Um, settle for relationships that aren't it, you know, rather than work on oneself, dive deeper, look at one's wounds, come out the other side, owning yourself. People will often settle for that relationship that never really challenges them. And then they'll get bored. And they'll either have affairs in the mind or affairs of the body. Or they'll just be coasting. And then you see it all the time. These are the kind of relationships where the individual hits 40, 50, maybe a bit older. And they have that midlife crisis, in inverted commas. You know, they go, what am I doing? I'm not even in love with this person, but shit, I'm locked in now. We've got kids, we've got a mortgage we've got a house, what are we going to do? Oh, well, I'll just have to make the best of it. And they kind of coast through their life, too afraid to be uncomfortable, to look at themselves, to really face what's moving through them, too afraid to be uncomfortable, to actually yearn for something greater, to take action for something greater. And the people that come into union with their beloveds, with their divine counterparts, are those that have been on one hell of a journey, to be uncomfortable, to look at their stuff. And both of them have come out the other side. And because they've done that, because they've claimed their power, in a way the reward is the union. Not to say that you live happily ever after because there's always work to be done, but the reward is that union that feels equal, that feels um, it. I don't know how else to describe it. It just feels it. There's no looking over the person's shoulder. There's no getting bored. There's no kind of checking out someone else, you know? sneaky check out of someone else on their social media page or sneaky check out of someone else on a, a, a sneaky WhatsApp message that you send. There's none of that because you know that the person that you're with is your divine counterpart. That's it. Boom. That's it. And the people that are in those unions have done the work. Both of them have done the work. You know, And I've said this before that we have this huge um, influx, this kind of huge collective of the feminine who's done the work. She's been doing the work for decades and she's waiting for her masculine to catch up, but I can't tell you the number of women who say the same thing. Where is he? What's he doing? When's he going to catch up? Because the women have done the work. They're doing the work. But in those couples who have, have come together, you know, he, the masculine, went into the jungle. Metaphorically or physically, he went in there. He spent time with himself. He got uncomfortable. He came out the other side and he found his queen. And she claimed her king. And, you know, I think a lot of those terminologies now have got really abused and romanticized. But there is something about that, that kind of quest. There is something very special about that. 
and it's not just about relationships. I think that when we go on that quest to be, to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable, to sit in the discomfort, to own it, to claim it, to rage in it, to grieve it, we then move through it and it becomes our conduit to, to greater knowing. It becomes our conduit to um, greater empowerment, to greater knowledge, and, and to a kind of invincibility. If you can't sit with your own discomfort, how are you ever going to tolerate situations that life may throw at you? You'll crumble. You'll run for the bottle. You'll run for help. You'll crumble. Um, and we see this a lot with people's crutches. You know, when people's crutches are taken away, there's a lot of crumbling. It, people bursting into tears because they... Um, I think someone said to me that they burst into tears because they went into a shop, this was at the start of lockdown, and they didn't have any oat milk, and they burst into tears. I mean, I can understand that. Do you know what I mean? I can understand it. It's really frustrating to not be able to get your favorite thing absolutely but have we really weakened ourselves to such an extent that we're going to be hysterical because we can't get our favorite coffee i i think uh from a spiritual perspective that's worrying that we've got to that stage that we don't have the ability to sit with what is uncomfortable whether it is you know not being able to have our favorite coffee or, or something else so the ability to not be uncomfortable leads us down pathways where we often sell out. We sell out our morals, our principles, what we know is right. We'll do the wrong thing. We'll rather sell out our neighbor rather than be uncomfortable, right? And that's not a place that we should ever be getting to. A huge part of, I believe, the healing process, especially when it is the shamanic path, is about being uncomfortable. <laughs> How can you possibly be comfortable in a burial ceremony or a vision quest? Even a sweat lodge, like these aren't comfortable ceremonies, you know, they're beautiful and they're transformative, but they're not comfortable. They've become more and more sanitized, as I've spoken about before, and, and as I've spoken about in podcasts on, you know, plant medicine. Plant medicine's not meant to be a retreat. You don't go back to your five-star deluxe room with ensuite and your beautifully prepared vegan meals during the day and say, oh, I've done a plant medicine ceremony. What the hell is that? I don't even know what that is. You don't, um, you know, you don't connect with plant medicine through, uh, through a kind of laziness, through your five-star accommodation through your, you know, resort. Uh, the whole point of any ceremony or initiation or uh, process that we go through is that being uncomfortable, our crutches being taken away from us shows us who we are. And I think we have this, we don't want to go there, you know, we don't want to get ugly yeah, we don't want to get ugly. We don't. We we want everything to be beautiful and to be kind of perfect. And we edited highlights the whole time. And it is actually through the getting ugly. It is through the discomfort that the transformation happens. That's how it happens. Often, more often than not, in say, for example, plant medicine ceremonies. But that's also what happens in things like sweat lodges and vision quests and burials and so forth. I mean, you know, the sweat lodges are really, really beautiful beautiful ceremony but it is also uncomfortable it's really uncomfortable um but 
the, that polarity of the discomfort that your body is in or the discomfort that you're in mentally and then the beauty that comes through with the healing and community and all the rest of it is, you know, that polarity, it's like that tension creates something in us. It's, it's transformative, it's transfigurative, it's alchemical. And until we take ourselves to those places, we won't transform and transmute the things in us that are holding us back. And our spirituality and our transformation will be a kind of bypassing. It'll never be true embodiment. It'll never be true power. We'll always be selling out. And at our heart, at our core, we will be feeling dissatisfied. And of course, that leads to many things. It leads to addictions. It leads to mental health issues. Um, it leads to disconnection, it leads to chronic illnesses, it leads to many things. I think our gateway in is the pain and the suffering. And what we want to do constantly is run away from it. We don't want it, we don't want to see it, we don't want to experience it, we don't want to engage in it. We have in many ways been conditioned to be desensitized to it. You know, we've been so overexposed to pain and suffering through our media channels, through film and other mediums that when we actually have a chance to experience pain and suffering, it's like we can't do it. it. It's too raw, it's too real, because what we've been shown in our media channels is a form of pain and suffering that's become very sanitized. You know, no one's face ever moves. There's one glycerin tear that falls down the person's face and the music comes in and then we cut to something else. And so when we actually have to face pain and suffering, we're busy going, well, where's the remote? Like, where's the popcorn? this is longer than 90 minutes, what the hell, this should be over with by now, right? Because we've gotten so conditioned into believing that resolutions happen very quickly. Um, it's one of the things that I've said before in other podcasts is that we have this idea, for example, that, you know, like you have these stories of the, the individual that was abused or they went through some great trauma or the woman who was raped and in 90 minutes, everything is resolved. You know, they face their, their abuser they get justice, they rant and rave and break down and go, oh, I can't do it. And someone comes along and goes, yes, you can, you're a survivor. And then they go through this thing and they do it. And 90 minutes later, they've done it and they've won and brilliant, excellent role credits. Boom, done. But it doesn't work like that in everyday life. And I think we've been fed that for so long that we believe that these intensely uncomfortable experiences need to be over with as quickly as possible. But actually, they can last for years, they can last for decades. And that doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong, and it doesn't mean that we're off the path, it just means this is the journey that we're on. Uh, and I, I have talked about it in the podcast on the glamour of shamanism, you know, that the apprentice will follow the shaman for decades. And there's no shame in that. And it's like, we don't want to be apprentices in our own lives. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to get messy, we don't want to get dirty, not too much. And yet nothing is really going to evolve or grow in our lives until we do. My invitation to you, wherever you are in your journey right now, is to find those places in your life where you bypass being uncomfortable. What is it that you don't want to look at? You know, what, what do you never do? Where do you never go? Where do you never allow your awareness to go, even for five minutes? And we all have it. I have it. I still have stuff that I don't really want to touch because it hurts too much. You know, there's areas or experiences or memories that I'm like, I don't really want to go there. But I know that I need to, and I will touch those experiences 
in a memory or in a meditation or deeper healing work and then pull back again. Uh, it's not about self-flagellation. But it is important to keep revisiting, to keep grieving, to keep raging, to keep you know moving through those experiences within us, being uncomfortable, because that's how we grow. And I have said this countless times. When we do that, we find our medicine for the world. We find what we're here to do. However we do that, however we administer that medicine, but we cannot administer any medicine worth anything until we have done that. And I know that... You know, I've had experiences of that in my own life and that there I was, I distilled my medicine and I was giving it out to others and it felt really great. And then I had experiences in my life and I realized I've not really done that really, really painful work on myself. Actually, I've been spiritually bypassing a little bit too. And so when I went back into those places that were really uncomfortable and sat with those experiences and those emotions, what happened was that my whole... Um, capabilities, if you like, as a healer, as a human, completely changed. You know, you just go up a level. It just, it just completely changes. Everything changes. It has to, because you're no longer hiding from yourself. And there's something incredibly freeing about that. How exhausting to constantly be running away from yourself. How exhausting. All that energy taken up in suppressing stuff because it makes you feel uncomfortable to look at it when you could just look at it and release up all that energy. So my invitation would be to you if, that there, if there are areas of your life that you know that you are avoiding or running away from looking at, this is a great time to shine a light on those areas of your life, you know, to really look at those things that could be your Achilles heels and, and tend to them, you know, send love to them, purge them, expel them, rant them, rave them, grieve them, shout them, scream them, you know, do what you need to do to get it out of your system, move through it, and spend that quality time with yourself. If the relationship that you have with yourself were an actual relationship, what a beautiful relationship to be in, where you can both be with each other when you're uncomfortable with each other and comfortable. You know, we, we, we want this perfect idyllic relationship, It'll always be wonderful, it'll always feel great, we'll always be in love. But actually there's something about those unions where they they have difficult moments and they're uncomfortable with each other and they have those uncomfortable conversations that are brutally honest. How strong is that bond? How beautiful is that bond? And wouldn't you want to have that bond with yourself? So that's my invitation to you, is to, is to go into the places, the spaces of discomfort in your life, in you, in your pasts, to go into that metaphorical and that physical jungle and to spend time with yourself. Because when you come out, you will come out deeply transformed and better placed to make a difference in the world. The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Until the next time.